You are listening to the Outside the Cockpit podcast powered by the Intermission Sports, a sports podcast bringing you all the latest motorsport news, race previews, and recaps from Formula One, NASCAR, IndyCar, and more. Tune in at 10 a.m. every Saturday on Spotify, Anchor, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Now, please welcome your hosts, Sam Donzik and Jack Shanlin. Welcome to episode eight of Outside the Cockpit powered by the Intermission Sports. My name is Sam alongside my co-host, Jack Shanlin. How are you doing today, Jack? I'm great. How's it going, Sam? Doing pretty good. Uh, we're here pretty much only pretty much to talk about the Daytona 500. That was yesterday, and what a race it was. We have lots to talk about. Let's start it off. Before we get actually into the race, uh, one of the things we want to talk about fresh off the track is Chase Elliott has signed a five-year contract extension with Hendrick Motorsports that has him under contract until 2027. Question for you, Jack. Was this the right move for Elliott? And also on the other side, was this a good move for uh, by Hendrick Motorsports to sign him? to 2022 uh, contract till 2027. Uh, yeah, I 100% agree with this signing on both sides. Um, he's been so valuable for Rick Hendrick and that team. Uh, he's the most liked driver in all of NASCAR. The fans absolutely love him. He won a championship two years ago. Um, struggled a little bit last year with only two wins, both coming on road courses. So this season, he really needs to prove that he can win on ovals again. Um, but it was definitely the right call. And I, I can't really see him driving anywhere other than Hendrick for, for the near future. He, he really drives well in those Chevys and uh, has a good relationship with Chevy and Hendrick. So I, I think it was a great move and I look forward to see what he does in the future. Cause that team is, is dominant. They have, in my opinion, three of the four drivers are total championship contenders in the future. Larson already won one, Elliot already won one. And I think Byron will definitely win one in his career. Uh, I'm not going to say Bowman wouldn't, but out of the four, I would say he's probably the one who wouldn't. Um, but yeah, definitely the right call. And um, I'm looking forward to see what they do. Yeah. The exact details of like the, the dollar amount wasn't released as well, but an interesting point as well is that uh, in the article that I read, it was that Byron, the other driver, Frederick Motorsports for the team was also close to extension as well. So that's going to be interesting to see as well. And I think, I mean, like, I don't really watch a lot of NASCAR. I'm very new to it. So I mean, like I'm trying to put, put some points into here together, but I mean, like from what I've seen from Chase Elliott, obviously he's a 2020 champ. So I know that he obviously can drive a race car and he's worth the contract extension. And obviously I think five years is a good amount because it puts him in for the next couple of seasons. It's not a super long extension. And we see in motorsports as well, we don't really get massive contract extensions compared to other sports. One, because you don't really know what's going to happen in three or four years, either an injury or anything like that or whatever comes up. So it's like, you don't really see those 10 year extensions in other sports, um, which is just interesting to point out, but that's pretty much all there is to talk about on the side of fresh off the track news, really just chase Elliott signing the five-year contract extension with Hendrick motorsports. As we go on to our race recap for the 2022 Daytona 500, Austin Sindrick, the rookie, uh, won the Great American Race, as it's known as, or the Daytona 500. What were your What are your thoughts on this race and his uh, overall win? What were your thoughts on the rookie's performance yesterday? Uh, yeah, so first I'll start with the race. Um, it was fantastic. I, I watched every lap. Uh, it, was, it was an incredible race. And I mean, the Daytona 500 is always pretty entertaining. I don't think anyone would, would disagree with that, but this was fantastic. And I think the next gen car is, is, um, mostly the reason for that. Uh, it really leveled the field. So you had people like Kyle Busch and Joey Logano leading the field. And then you had people like rookie Harrison Burton and Chris Busher and, uh, even, uh, 
Kaz Grala was up there for a while. Um, people, uh, part-time drivers like David Reagan was up there for a while. Like it, you just, you got to see everybody running in pretty much all places. Uh, it was just fantastic. Um, and Cindric, you know, you know, my thoughts on Cindric. I love the kid. I've been following him for years, all through his Xfinity, uh, career. And I'm so happy he got this win because it silenced a lot of people that said he wouldn't do well this year. Um, I, I'm in a fantasy NASCAR pool and he was valued at 50 bucks, which is, it was like among the lowest drivers on the entire list. Like I think the only people lower were, were BJ McLeod and Cody Ware. Um, and I was so angry when I saw this cause I, I was happy because I got him obviously for like pretty much no money, but I don't understand how you could, you could see that. And a lot of people were saying the same thing that he wasn't going to do anything and that he can't win on ovals and blah, 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 blah. And I said to myself, and I said to my girlfriend, he will win multiple races and, uh, he will shut those people up because you can't be an Xfinity champion and then come into top tier equipment and not do anything. He's a super talented driver. And I think he proved that, uh, winning the most important race in NASCAR in his rookie year. So look out for him this season because he'll be a threat for sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like I completely agree. Like I'm pretty new to the sport, but from what I saw from him, he did a great job. He had an excellent control. Of the car was completely composed in there. And I think that's a lot of times where we see where rookies are hotheads or they're just a little bit like uh, not fully comfortable, but he seemed to look like a seasoned veteran out there the way he was running all throughout the race. It was a great race overall in terms of my thoughts first, really like, full on NASCAR race. Cause I watched the clash the other weekend, uh, but I wasn't like, again, on a massive super speedway like Daytona is. And it was yeah, a it doesn't great count. race. I know it doesn't count. No, it doesn't count. Um, so yeah, it was a great race in my mind as well. Uh, lots of action. Um, and it's really interesting as well as the fact that obviously com me coming from watching formula one and like watching going to NASCAR, it's interesting how, you can win like it doesn't matter how many stage uh like stages you win because martin truex jr won the first two stages but ended up finishing 13th because of like pit stops and other things like that and just the way that the race ran but it was great to see a rookie uh rookie win the race um and it was just super exciting so for sure uh yeah truex you know i told you this before we started the show that stages don't really mean anything i think there were four races where kyle larson led like won both of the first uh, two stages and then didn't win the race. Um, and it, it's really common, like stage racing is relatively new in NASCAR, but it, it is fairly common, especially in the 500, because it's so unpredictable. You know, if you, if you, uh, pull out that bottom line to go up top and no one follows you, you're, you're going to lose 20 places, right? So just simple things like that can cause your run to go super South. And obviously Truex was involved in a, an accident, which really kind of hindered his ability to get back up to the front. But um, it, it was a great race by all manufacturers. The Chevys were fast. The Fords were obviously fastest because, I mean, we knew that coming in the way that their nose shaped and the way they draft together, it's pretty simple. Um, and the Toyotas were fast too. Bubba was fantastic. He had such a good run. I, I was gutted for him. I was happy for Cindric, but Bubba was right there. Yes, indeed. Yeah, for sure. One thing that we do want to talk about, obviously, was uh, a, a crash that happened pretty early on in stage. I think it was stage one. Harrison Burton uh, was being pushed from Brad Keselowski from behind. He was on the top line when he kind of lost. I mean, like he lost a little bit of control and then turned in and caused a multi-car wreck. Did, Kaskel did Keselowski 
pushed too hard on the Ricky Harrison burden, like early on, considering it's stage one as well. Because I know we talked we talked about this yesterday as well, but just want to get your thoughts on it. Personally, yes, uh, I do. And and the announcers on Fox were also saying the same thing that there was nothing like technically wrong with what he did, but he should know better to not push that hard in stage one and, and not centered on the rookies bumper, right? Like it's, it's different when you give a, when you give someone a big push and like, I'm not saying you should treat rookies different. I I disagree with that. I think they, you know, you're in, you're in the race, especially Harrison Byrne running up front in all the duels and in the, in the qualifying and in the practices, like he's clearly fast at Daytona. So there's no reason to treat him any different, but you wouldn't push anyone that hard on the right bumper. Like I'm surprised he did that because he's a veteran, especially at play racing. And I think it's pretty straightforward. What was going to happen. It's not like it was a surprise that Burton spun. It's what happens when you push the right bumper. Right. So I was a little disappointed in Brad and then he did it again uh, to, I don't even remember who he did Was it Stenhouse, the second wreck that he caused later on. Yeah, I think so. Cause Stenhouse was running up on the top line again uh, and he was yeah. running well, he was running well for a couple laps. It was really close. And then I think, yeah, he did give him a bit of a push there, but yeah, I, I yeah. mean like, I completely agree. Cause like looking at that and like watching, it was like, yeah, he was, cause it seemed like Burton was kind of going down and it's like, he was going to make a push for the bottom line. And he was like, okay, I'm just going to even push, but like pushing on that right bumper, you know, from any, it doesn't make sense, but logically, you know, if you push the right side of a car or bumper, he's going to spin down. Like it, it not oh, even in sure. that, like any, any, any type of racing it is, sure. it's like, it's going to happen. So yeah, because he wasn't centered to the car centered on his rear bumper, it caused a crash for sure. And it sucked as well. Cause I know you were really high on Harrison Burton. I'm sure he's going to do great for the, throughout the season. And it was great to see. Cause or no, it was bad. It was sad to see because um, obviously he was running so well. And I mean, like I was super excited to see him do well uh, yeah. as well, but it's just unfortunate. And sometimes that's racing and it's just, uh, sure. it's just, it's just the way that it is. So, and to touch on uh, Stenhouse, he was running well, but in all fairness, he was a lamb to the slaughter there. He was the lone Chevy in the top 10. Like there's no, you have no help. They're going to do their best to, to pretty much not help you at all. And I mean, Brad, Brad pushed him for, three laps and now we saw what happened right and i don't know if you noticed this when you were watching but when Cindric there was a restart and brad was restarting behind Cindric, and Cindric said to his crew chief that he was like worried about brad being behind him right like it it's it's frustrating when you when you have such a good run together and i'm not, I'm not gonna say taken out but you know maybe pushed a little too hard maybe causing a bit of an accident and yeah, it was just it was just tough to see, and that crash, Harrison Burns' crash, was for no for lack of a better word, miraculous. I'm so happy that he uh, was able to climb out of that. Um, these new cars, like the technology and how far we've come in safety, help a lot. Um, and you see that a lot at super speedways, especially when cars get sideways and get and then get clipped. They go up and over pretty much every time that happens. Um, but glad he's fine. Like he he seemed totally okay and. You know, it's kind of crazy for a rookie to go through something like that. Um, I mean, obviously, we knew there was going to be some big racks at Daytona. There always is. But uh, I'm happy that he was okay. And um, I, honestly, out of that wreck, I was most sad for him and Byron because Byron was running super well. Like He, he would have been up front contending for that win for sure um, if, if he wasn't taken out in that early wreck. For sure, for sure. 
Um, one thing else we want to talk about as well is, um, and you can probably help explain this more, but just the wheels uh, at the race, there was, seems to be some wheels coming off the car, like falling off the cars. And then also for Ryan Blaney, uh, it seemed to be one was stuck on his car as well. It was one of the rear tires that was stuck on. If you want to talk about that. Yeah, uh, for sure. So for those of you who follow NASCAR, you would have read the article. Um, I think it was posted Friday that NASCAR, um, sees the wheels from RFK and Penske after footage from one of those teams, um, mechanics doing some sort of work with a tool on the pinholes of these new forged BBS wheels that we're using, uh, with the next gen car. And if you read the rules package, you know, that that is a pretty serious, uh, penalty. It could have been up to $250,000, I think up to 25 playoff points and a possible multi-race suspension for uh the crew chief and a couple um a couple teammates um but it kind of gets down to a couple different points so they're a little bit separate but they're kind of not separate so when brad was when brad keselowski part owner of rfk was questioned about the wheels and why the nascar took them he said that it was a, a safety issue and that they were addressing it for a safety issue. Obviously, you're not going to come out and say, oh, yeah, we're cheating. But, you know, safety issue kind of sounds like a little bit of a cop out. But was he, was he right? You know, so what, what uh, Larry McReynolds was saying, he's the technical guy on the Fox broadcast, is that there's pinholes around the lug that help the lug stay in place. And if those, if the, I think I'm getting this right, but if the lug doesn't line up perfectly with those pinholes, it's not necessarily a hundred percent torque down. Like it inhibits its ability to, to completely tighten. And that's, that's my best guess on what happened to, um, uh, who was it? It was a Cavs girl. No, it was Briscoe who fell. It just fell right off. Right. Chase Briscoe. Yeah. it was. Um, yeah, I believe that's so. my best guess. What happened there? Blaney. I think it, sometimes wheels get stuck on and it happens, yeah. but I think, I think it had something to do with those uh, pinholes as well. It, it sure, makes yeah. sense. You know, there was not really a reason for it to be stuck on other than that. Like it just got too tight and too tight. Um, it's my best guess. And then uh, I think it was who broke the wheel. Was it Grala? I can't remember if it was Grala who broke the wheel or not. It might've been him. So yeah. yeah. Um, so, and that just, that, that kind of speaks a little bit more towards the wheel itself. You know, we're using forged wheels now instead of the multi-piece um, classic NASCAR wheel. And people know forged wheels are typically a little bit more fragile under pressure. Like, so I don't really know what happened, what would have caused a wheel to snap like that. But it, it, it may be cause for concern in the future if, like, if that's going to keep happening, there's really no reason to continue to use them. Like you can't ask NASCAR teams to go out week after week, spending all their money to go to these races with the very high possibility that one of their wheels could break. For right? sure, like yeah. it wasn't, wasn't laid on in the 500 either. Like it was fairly early. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if NASCAR addresses this issue. Um, I think it does need to be addressed. And um, I, I look forward to seeing where it goes, like where the conversation goes. Cause it's really, it's fascinating to me because I miss five lug pit stops. Like I miss them so much. I, I know you've never been to NASCAR, but hearing that in person 
there's no sound like it. And I know that it doesn't really matter to the racing, like whatever with single lug five lug, but would this be cause to go back to five lugs? I, I doubt they would ever do that, but I'm saying would, would enough teams push to go back to five lugs that NASCAR would have to maybe make a decision. That's I interesting. guess we'll see. In the yeah, the, it, it's interesting to me. Like, I mean, like I haven't watched NASCAR for like like as long as you have compared to like when they when they were using the five lug, but I mean I've seen enough movies where like there is something about that sound about the air gun going like one two three four five and like and I think it also it adds to another skill level of the crews of having to change the tires quickly is like obviously we see in other sports like in formula one especially it's super easy to do a quick pit stop but it's only a single tire and they have a lot more crew members but obviously with nascar you're a bit of a smaller crew and they're usually either doing one side of the they only do probably one side of the tires like one side of the car's tires and then the other side a little bit later on but regardless something about just like the five lug nut is something satisfying in that sound and just it makes it interesting for sure um for pit stops as well like if it if it takes a little bit longer then some people like might be a little bit faster around like to get the tires on and off and it just for sure you know it adds um, another element for sure so for sure i i'm personally actually a fan of the single lug for a couple different reasons like i miss five lug obviously everybody does but the single lug or at least before daytona we thought kind of eliminated the the possibility for a loose lug nut penalty post race right and that that is pretty valuable. Like there's nothing worse than coming off a really good finish and then failing post tech because of a loose lug that. Um, so if, if the single lug can be kind of figured out, if they can refine it a little bit and make sure that it's, it's, you know, there's no guessing whether it's on tight, then I think, I think it's a, it's a really good um, addition to NASCAR and hopefully they can figure that out. For sure. That should be something to be interesting as well. And we'll probably monitor that throughout the season and kind of keep talking about that if it comes up. And I mean, like, I don't think that they would go back to say not really the five nut, but about the tire situation was if they switched down to the old tires because of these new issues with the tires. So that if that continued to be as an issue, obviously, because we'll monitor that throughout the season. One the more thing that we wanted to talk about that you want to talk about was uh Noel Gregson. He was running in the top 10 at the Daytona 500 for some time. And uh, what were your thoughts on that just overall? Oh, I was just, just so happy for, for him and that team. Um, I don't know how much you, uh, you know about the beard oil team, but, um, they're an independent team. They run only, or this year they'll be running only Daytona and only Talladega. They only run the super speedways. Um, no, I love Noah Gregson. A lot of people who know me know that, uh, I think he's a, a really talented driver and he'll, he will do great things in NASCAR. Um, but I was absolutely gutted for this team, you know, an independent team to run that high and run that well, the whole night is super rare. Um, they had a really fast race car and a great driver. And, and I support that team so much. They, they have one full-time employee. They're a tiny team. They're like, it's amazing. Their, their founder, Mark Beard, unfortunately passed away um, not too long ago. And his wife and his family have continued um, to lead that team and continued racing. Um, I think it's a beautiful story and I, I was gutted that they, that they were taken out in a wreck and not, no fault of their own, right? Like they did nothing wrong. They were just along for the ride. And, uh, I'm not going to say that Gregson would have been there for the win, but you know, a top 10 finish at Daytona as an independent team is, is a huge deal. Um, and I, I I'm pretty sad for them that they didn't get to do that, but they'll be back. It's not like it's going to be their last 500, but it was definitely their best one. So. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I got knowing really not, but it's good to see. It's it's good to hear those stories about those like 
even like a small team because obviously because there's obviously you were explaining to me there's like non-charter teams versus charter teams and the non-charter yeah. teams only go for a certain number of races but obviously even certain teams like the money team that has all these resources aren't as like it's not as it's not as good as stories like if they're doing well versus like a smaller team for that's sure on a like a much smaller budget so yeah. in those reasons in that in that reason it's like it's great to hear these stories of noah gregson and the team yeah. running so well and it's unfortunate that he was unable to uh, finish or that he got taken out in a wreck yeah was it, which was it the was it the first record was it the no, one it was the the final one with oh, okay um truex and elliot and right. stenhouse yeah. mm-hmm. and larson the one took out larson as well oh, okay yeah that one as well um, so yeah and i i like this point as well because it kind of goes to show if you don't matter how much money you have if you can't get people in the building that know how to build a race car doesn't really work you know like beard beard oil motorsports has been at it for a while uh the money teams knew they have all the money but they came in late like who are they picking up to build their cars right uh so I, I don't know i think there's something to be said about that for sure all right well that's pretty much going to wrap up this episode of the outside the cockpit powered by the inter- intermission sports my name is sam donzig alongside my host jack and uh we'll catch you next week because obviously where are they where, where, where are they racing next week and they're going out to california yeah they're at auto club or for you auto- NASCAR fans it's called fontana yes fontana next weekend we'll two mile track yes we'll be talking so about technically that. a super speedway but no one really no one really is yet all righty we'll catch you next week